Uh, and finally, let's uh, move on quickly to Indiana. Indiana, no one really cares about Indiana, but they're a ton of fun to watch. They have an awesome offense. Um, they have a sieve for a defense. But really, it comes down to they've got Indiana State, Bowling Green, North Texas, and Purdue. That's four wins. Okay, then they have an over-under of five and a half. They play Maryland, North Texas, and... Rutgers. Rutgers. So right there, they need to win two of those three games. So basically it comes down to a one-game season against Maryland if they can yeah. win those other four, other five. Um, and I like that. Then they play Missouri, Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Who says that they don't get one of those teams on an off day, especially a team like Michigan who we know can uh, be susceptible to offense, to a big offense. So I think five-and-a-half is a really fun bet. They're giving you plus 110. You're making money on that one, so if uh, if I'm you guys, I'm taking Indiana, and really, I'm looking for some uh, idiot bookie that'll give me all five of these in a ridiculous parlay. And then on top of it, you're just betting a team that's going to be fun to watch. You tune into an Indiana game, you're not getting 13 to 10. No. You're going to get a lot of you know 42 to 35 games, or maybe even depending on circumstances. I think last year Michigan. Scored over 60 against Indiana. Indiana put up 47 and lost. Oh, yeah. This is so. going to be... You're going to be watching these ones late into the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, when they're down by 14, that doesn't mean the game's over like it would if you were playing, if you were watching an Iowa-Wisconsin game. Um, these are going to be... These are going to be a lot of fun. And there's going to be a lot of ugly losses, but there's also going to be some uh, some pretty, pretty fun football going on. Just if you can stand to watch that pitiful defense. But if their defense improves at all, then... You know, where we're maybe that adds a win on that uh, that they normally wouldn't have. So they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. And who's to say their defense won't slightly improve? At this point, they have, it, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, Indiana is going to be a team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, so now moving on, we've talked a little bit about what we're what we're going to uh, be betting this season, and really kind of what we have a feel uh, for some of these teams. But uh, I think. So the biggest feel that we're having is, uh, is with a lot of these coaches that are just coming in. Some of them are established names going to new programs. Um, and I really think that it's going to change the layout of, uh, of college football a little bit this year. Uh, talk to me about your kind of your five coaches that are, that are really going to uh, make, make big changes in their conferences this year. Well, yeah, there's sort of coaches. There's premier programs that have new coaches. Clearly, it starts with two of the best programs in the country, which are USC and Texas. Uh, you have Charlie Strong coming into Texas, and then you have Steve Sarkeesian, who has previously worked at USC a number of years and is from Southern California. And even though I don't think a lot of the SC fan base was excited when he got hired, to say he does know the program, and he has had a track record of putting together some pretty good offenses while he's coached there. And then the other guys are Chris Peterson at Washington, For sure. Bobby Petrino back at Louisville, and you can say what you want about Petrino, the guy. Good coach. But he's an amazing coach, sure. and he's always had a great track record of doing well. And then the final one is James Franklin at Penn State. Bill O'Brien was there for just two years. He did very well, I think, uh, given all the circumstances and sort of the craziness that he had to take over with. Uh, but will James Franklin stay there for the long haul? So out of those five, I, I guess I'll start off with I feel like Charlie Strong will win a national championship at Texas. I feel that... Texas is, when you get things going, as good a program as you can possibly have. The recruiting base is insane. The kids from that state generally want to play for the Longhorns. The tradition, the money. Yeah, you have the money. I mean, they make more money than any program in the country. That's been proven the last decade. Texas 
they have the Longhorn Network. The yeah. ESPN has its own network dedicated to the University of Texas athletic program. And at no point are they going to stop and not want to pay to make their facilities better, to make their stadium better. Whatever Texas can do to, to be there at the top caliber of college football, that's what they're going to do. And I think Charlie Strong works well there. I know some people say, like, he's not the most media-savvy guy. He's not necessarily a politician like Mac Brown. But when you win, you don't have to be all that much. (laughs) And Charlie Strong, the one thing he has going for him, he's always had good defenses. And I feel like in Texas, you're going to get a lot lot of big-time athletes on offense. You need to have a coach with a defensive mindset. And so I would say out of the five major hires, off-season switches – I expect Charlie Strong, long-term-wise, to have the most success. Short-term, he's probably not winning 10, 11, 12 games this year. But like I said, I feel like nine wins is pretty possible. Second on my list would be Chris Peterson. I think Peterson at Washington is a chance to really do well. That's kind of a sleeping giant type of program anyways. I thought Sarkeesian would take them and move them into that next step where they're a consistent top 15 type of program. They never really got there. There were times where Washington looked pretty good, but... They always sort of fell in that seven and five, maybe eight and four type of deal, and that's not good enough. I feel like in the Pacific Northwest, you have Oregon that's clearly established itself as the premier program. Yeah. But Washington should be the second premier program in the in the, the Pac-12 North. There's no reason that Oregon State and programs like that should really be competing with them as much. So I expect Chris Peterson to do a really good job, and it's 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 just it's also it's cool to see Chris Peterson at a BCS program now. And I, I guess we shouldn't say BCS. We know that that's over with now. Right. But Chris Peterson, everyone always said when he was at Boise, oh, is Chris Peterson actually a great coach or is he just really good for Boise? We're going to find out. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think you said you, that Oregon has kind of established itself. But, but the Northwest used to belong to Washington. And I think it still it can again. Um, I don't think that, that Oregon now owns the Northwest. I know that the flashy program and they've won a little bit now, but Washington's got that history, and I think they've also kind of got that tradition of being the premier team in the Northwest, and I think they've been slumbering for a little bit. So Chris Peterson, uh, if he's successful, could really bring a, a big change for uh, for Washington. And it's a major city. You're in Seattle. Yeah. They just won the Super Bowl. You can kind of sell that a little bit as well. And there's way more talent in Washington State than, than there is in Oregon For sure. and sort of the you know other parts of the in the Pacific Northwest. So Washington, if they can sort of hold down their own recruiting base, Which should they be were a better able to with Miles. Um, exactly. Yeah, and they've they've kind of been a little bit of a QB factory, sending uh, QBs down to SC all around the country. Miles coming up uh, coming up through their system. So yeah, if they can keep those guys in house with a, a successful guy like Peterson, they could really. Uh, be a force to be reckoned with. And then the other coaches on the list, I put Bobby Petrino third. I think Petrino's going to do a really good job at Louisville, uh, assuming he stays there for a while, which I guess, <laughs> which I guess he will. I really, where's he going to go at this point? I, I say he can that. afford his buyout clause. Yeah, I think they made it. Uh, you have to buy the state of New Hampshire for him to get out of that out of that uh, coaching deal. So we'll see. But yeah, he's uh, he's one of those guys that it's going to be a fun second time around. But where what's kind of the state of Louisville? With the loss of Strong and with the loss of Bridgewater, where does Petrino kind of fit in there this first year? Well, he's always done a great job of, 
you know, building offenses. If you look when, you know, at Arkansas, he really had great offenses. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when he was at Louisville before, he had great offenses. They have talent at Louisville. First of all, they recruit Florida very well. That's a program that has gotten some really high-caliber recruits from South Florida and even from Central Florida, kids that, you know, are NFL players. I mean, they had two – actually, they had three first-round draft picks this, this yeah. past year. Uh and then we have to throw this in there for some of you that might not even realize this. Louisville now is officially a member of the ACC. They transition. They leave the American Conference, formerly the Big, Big East, East yeah. and now they're in the ACC. So they're in Florida State's division with Clemson. So they're in probably the tougher division right now. But I expect Louisville to be a type of team right off the bat, a top 25 team this year. I really do. I think that... Uh, they're not going to be the type of team that wins, as we said with Indiana, a lot of 14 to 10 type of games. They're going to have to outscore some people. But I would be pretty surprised if Louisville, by the end of the year, doesn't look like a top 15 type of team. I think they might lose a couple early to midseason just because they're transitioning with new players and new coaches. But I really wouldn't want to play them in November. I think that they'll be they'll be humming at that point and... I think nine wins is probably about where I'd put eight or nine wins. And for we were Louisville. we were talking about this off air, but you don't want, you said you don't want to play him in November, and uh, that's when uh, that's when Notre Dame gets him, and that's going to be a, a really interesting game. It's kind of Notre Dame's first foray into that five game uh, ACC schedule, and they're going to be going up against what we think is going to be a hum in Louisville team. So that'll be a, that should be a fun game, and a game that I probably won't watch with you because I don't want to see you bite your nails down to the beds, but. Um, yeah, that'll be Louisville's going to be a, a fun team to watch this year, and it'll be interesting to see what Florida's do, or what Texas is doing with Strong, but but seeing if uh, Louisville really takes a step back, which they which they may not this year. Of course, and then going to the last two programs and sort of this list, and two of the biggest programs in college football, USC with Steve Sarkeesian. I don't know how I feel about that hire. I think they could have done better. Yeah. I'm interested in your take on this specifically because. Clearly, you weren't necessarily thinking that Steve Sarkeesian was doing an amazing job at Washington, but he does. He fits the program. He's a coach that, if you look at USC's history, they're not the type of program that makes these like splashy, insane hires. For the most part, they go after USC guys. It's kind of yeah. like Michigan. They say like, "You want a Michigan man?" USC is kind of that same way, and they have a lot of talent. Granted, they're not all that deep right now, and especially on the lines, if they have a couple injuries. They could be in some serious trouble because they're still they're transitioning away from losing all those scholarships, but they the still depth are. still really exactly. hurts. But I think long term, I think Sarkeesian's the type of guy that he'll put USC and compete for potentially the college football playoffs at times. But I don't think he's ever going to bring them back to the level they were under Pete Carroll, or even the level enough that they win a national championship under him. I don't think he's a national championship caliber coach. So I would say that overall, Sarkeesian will probably do well there. He's probably going to win nine-plus games most year just based on the fact that USC, that's kind of what they do. But I would be a little bit surprised. Like Out of these coaches, all the guys we mentioned, I think that, as I said, I think Charlie Strong will win a national championship. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian will win one. But how do you feel about him? I mean, clearly well, there's questions. I mean, we just fired a coach last year and then won 10 games. So you to say that a coach is going to win you 9 games every year isn't really enough at SC. So I don't know I don't know where he fits specifically. We everyone says this and we and you, even you just said it, you know, he's trying to bring back kind of that Pete Carroll winning mentality and winning style which you know, that was 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago now and 
that was a really pro style offense that really just doesn't doesn't have specifically have a place in the Pac-12 right now. It still can uh, you can still win with it in the SEC, but I think it's really tough to win like that in the Pac-12 unless you are a Stanford and that's just your whole philosophy and they really buy into it. I really think the SC has this kind of crisis of we have the athletes to be wide open, but we also want to be this pro-style team. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I think that we could end up with – I think we could end up with the, the Pac-12 South this year and maybe you lose in that game and that gets some people excited and that brings in recruits. And then – who knows where you go with it? I'm not 100% sold on him, but I also don't think that um, but it's I'll just, a terrible hire. I'll just say this, though. USC's goal for football, it's the same thing with me being a Miami grad right now with Al Golden, where I don't think Al Golden will ever win a national championship. And to me, if you're at coaching Miami, you should be winning national championship. That's your goal. USC's the same. Right. Do you think Sarkeesian is the type of coach? Do you expect him at some point to win a national championship as the head coach of USC? I don't, and to me, it's it, unless he does... I probably don't either, and I think that if he did, it would be due to smart coaching hires and kind of a perfect storm. I don't think he's going to win three national championships, I'll tell you that. But I do think that, uh, I I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that he could be playing for a national championship game in in January, uh, in the next four years. But that being said, I could also see him fired in the next three years uh, after all a 7 nothing loss to Washington State or something like that, 14-7. So we'll see. Uh, and then the final guy, James Franklin, coming over to Penn State. You already said you think he's uh, NFL-bound, but what do you think he can do for Penn State um, as they're still kind of going through this SC-like plus uh, transition of uh, just losing? Yeah, it was just an insane thing. And I am a Pennsylvania guy, and I'm not particularly fond of Penn State. But James Franklin, if he stays there for the long haul, can do a really good job. Now, if you look at his time at Vandy, he took Vandy and turned them into a very solid program. They were ranked a few times. You know, they weren't consistently ranked all season, but they made the top twenty-five every once in a while. And for Vanderbilt, that's pretty insane to think about them being the type of program that's anywhere near the top twenty-five. He's a great recruiter. James Franklin will. He's kind of in that Urban Meyer mindset of he loves to recruit and he's not afraid to sort of rub some other coaches the wrong way in the process. I think short term. He's going to do a good job. I think Penn State's the type of team that probably wins nine games this year, maybe eight, maybe ten. I mean, and plays the spoiler to a few, pe- a few exactly. seasons. That's where I really see uh, kind of the, the what Penn State's going to look like this year is winning some some games that they're not necessarily supposed to win, and they already have their bowl game in Dublin to start the season. So they're really they're going to be playing the role of spoiler. Yeah, and then they do have chances. You know, you have Ohio State, you have. Michigan, Michigan State. You have these type of teams that are pretty big-time programs right now. And, yeah, chances are they'll probably knock off one of them. Uh, Hackenberg is a really good quarterback. As a freshman last year, was really good. Now, granted, he loses Robinson. He loses his top wide receiver. But I feel James Franklin will do a good job at Penn State. But as I said, I think three years from now, he'll be coaching somewhere in the NFL or four years from now. I just I feel like the way he has moved himself up on the ladder – I expect him to, to give the pros a challenge because he's one of those guys that's kind of, I don't know if I want to say an egomaniac, but he does seem to be the type of coach that, you know, he wants his personality to be out there almost as much as anyone. And generally those type of guys at some point are going to give the NFL a chance. It's, whether it's Nick Saban, whether it was Petrino, he kind of falls in that sort of same mindset. Uh, I hope he doesn't do great at Penn State just because I don't particularly <laughs> like Penn State, 
But if he stays there long term, I think he'll at least turn them into a top 15 type of program, which is kind of what Penn State should be. But short term, I think they'll be a borderline top 25 team this year that, you know, if things fall the right way, could win nine games, maybe an outside chance of 10. But I feel like anything less than eight wins would almost be kind of a disappointment. It's crazy to think of, of just talking coaching hires with Penn State when literally up until two years ago, our whole lives, they'd only had one coach and it was just assumed that he would be there every single year, year in and year out. And now we're talking about possibly a third or fourth coach in the next two or three years. It's uh, it's weird. It's it, it doesn't really sit well yet. Um, but let's move on to some coaching hot seats. Let's kind of fire through these uh, as we wrap up a little bit uh, in the next ten minutes. Yeah. So when you talk about coaches on the hot seat, I think it starts with Will Muschamp at Florida. This is a team two years ago who almost made the national championship game. They were. You know, it was Notre Dame, Alabama, and a lot of people forget Florida was ranked third. Yeah. You know, had Notre Dame tripped up or maybe lost the pit game, which they probably should have lost, it would have been Florida versus Alabama in the national championship yeah. game. Then they went and got spanked against Teddy Bridgewater in Louisville yeah. in the Sugar Bowl, and people started going, ah, it was just a one time thing. Florida will be back. Game, yeah. And then last year they were horrendous, four and eight. The defense was fine, but the offense was just about yeah, as lousy. Savannah as, State, Georgia State, uh, Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern, Ugh. which is now an official, uh, you know, Division One A FBS program. But yeah, they ran that triple option. I think Georgia Southern. I'm not even sure they even had a passing yard in that game. I think they just <laughs> they ran didn't the have ball. Negative yards with the yeah, sacks, the storyline yeah. of Florida season was that play where Georgia Southern's going in for a touchdown and two Florida players are hitting uh, each other yes. as if they're blocking that one another. That was not top ten for just weeks. That was amazing. But Will Muschamp's on the hot seat, and what is, if he wins eight, does he get fired? If he wins seven, does he get fired? Is it Does he need ten? I personally feel like Jeremy Foley, their athletic director, is going to keep him. Okay. I'm, what I'm does not, he need to win to stay, though? Does he need seven? Does he need eight? I think minimum seven. Okay. But I feel like eight would keep him around, and that's kind of I think Florida's going to get seven wins, maybe eight, depending on things. What I'm if start- they win seven, but they don't win any games that matter? What if they win the seven games they're supposed to so, on their schedule? You know, so they lose Alabama, they lose Alabama, they lose Florida State, they, they lose Georgia, South Carolina, Georgia. Yeah, that changes things. I don't know. I just kind of have a gut feeling that they're going to keep him around. I think Jeremy Foley, if he didn't fire him last year, chances are. He's not going to fire him this year. Right. Now again, if they go 4-8, four four eight, eight, you yeah. have to fire him. If he's if he if he's not winning, as I said, if he's 6 and 6 or below, he's definitely getting right. fired. But 7 or 8 wins, I feel like he'll stick around. And Florida's the type of program, it wasn't that long ago that they were the dominant program in the country. Oh yeah, two two national championships in 3 years. I think I think that they have the talent there and I think that they probably even ha- are going to have some uh, with the new coaching this year. I think that they're going to be uh that they're going to be a much improved team. So I think he ends up staying, um, but definitely on the hot seat, and I think that it'll grow hotter if uh, if he can't start winning some of those games that uh, that he's an underdog in. Yeah, other coaches on the hot seat. Charlie Weiss with Kansas. Does it matter? I mean, <laughs> If he, a coach is on the hot seat and no one cares, is he still on the hot seat? I would say this will be his last year. I agree. I know what you're saying. I feel like this will be his final year at Kansas. He's really gone the whole JUCO route the last couple of years of trying to build his team off junior college players. That's almost never a good idea unless you're Bill Snyder in Kansas State. I feel like he's the only coach that gets that to work. And he's uh, in the same conference as him. Yeah, he's at the same state. Yeah. Uh, I think Charlie Weiss gets fired. Another guy who I actually feel like will be fired at the end of the year is Mike London. Now that Virginia, this is new ACC, you're bringing in some programs. You know, Pitt's now in 
uh, Syracuse, Louisville, Notre Dame is kind of a temporary team or you know quasi ACC member. Virginia, you know they've had some good teams over the years, but lately they've struggled. Mike London did really well two years ago. They almost they were one win away from representing their division yeah. in the Coastal Eight and playing five, for the ACC championship. And last year was just a nightmare. Just flat out, these last couple years have not been good for him. And I look at Virginia's schedule and I look at the rest of the ACC and I can't find that many wins. Do you think he's headed so, back to the NFL, ends up as a coordinator somewhere? Yeah, he'll find, I mean, I'm sure he'll find a job somewhere, but it's one of those things where, can I really see Virginia do better than 6-6? Six and six? I don't see it. And if he 6-6, six and six, he probably stays. Well, that's what I'm saying, better yeah. than 6-6, six and six, though, I don't see it. I think 6-6 six and six is probably best case. And I don't even think they'll get to that point. Yeah, I, think, I, I think they win about four. A couple other coaches, and it's weird in that Dana Holgerson a couple years ago was the hottest name in college football in terms of a coordinator. And even a season and a half ago, everyone's talking about Geno Smith being a Heisman the front Heisman, runner yeah. and them being a top 10 team. And then once they reach that midway point, oh, they've been terrible. And I don't think Holgerson will be fired. I feel like Oliver Luck, the athletic director there, Andrew Luck's father, Wants him to stick around at least another year, but man, if they have another year as bad as they did last year, he might be out. I think West West Virginia will be slightly improved, but I expect Holgerson to be back, and next year he'll be really on the hot seat, unless they happen to win like eight or nine games this year, which I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, this move to the Big 12 has really been tough on on West Virginia, especially, and I don't know, it gets talked about a lot, but that travel that they're making... You know, fifteen hundred miles into the Midwest, uh, you know, every other week is it's got to be a little bit draining, even uh, even with the resources that are available at a, at a West Virginia. So, you know, I wonder if that plays into it, and if Daniel Holgerson's taking a little bit of the brunt of that. But that doesn't really explain how bad his defenses have been the last two years. Like maybe they put the defense on a bus and they have to take two days to get out there because that's what it seems like. Those guys are uninspired. They're just getting beaten, and they're just getting these crooked numbers put on them all over the place. Yeah, West Virginia is the type of team, you know, that they were really rolling a few years back with Rich Rodriguez. Even with Bill Stewart, they yeah. were pretty solid. And I'm surprised. I thought Holgerson would work out a little bit better, but this is a year maybe they surprise people. Who's to say they aren't the type of team we're talking about in late October, early November as well? Where did West Virginia come from? It could be them. I mean, it's going to be somebody. Yeah. It was Auburn last year. I don't think that they're going to be anywhere near, you know, a national championship caliber team, but... I'd be pretty surprised if Holgerson at least doesn't improve slightly enough to to keep his job. I, I expect him to be back. And then, of course, the other two guys, you talk about premier programs. We've talked about the Big Ten a lot today. Nebraska with Bo Pelini and Brady Hoke and Michigan. They, don't, they both don't make it. They can't both make it, right? Uh, I agree. I think, yeah. But I expect Bo Pelini to get fired, and I think Brady Hoke keeps his job. I just, it's weird because I don't think Michigan's going to be all that good, and I don't think they're going to be the type of team that wins nine or ten games, but I feel like David Brandon, their athletic director, likes Brady Hoke a lot, and yeah. they've made some staff changes. They, man. they brought in Nussmeyer yep. to, to represent them as offensive coordinator. Greg Madison is a good defensive coordinator. I'm pretty surprised at how bad Michigan's defense was last year. It was the worst defense they've probably ever put out on the field in terms of you know, games where, I mean, as I said, they won a game 63-47. to 47. That's not a Michigan type of score. And last year was the year that they struggled with Akron and, and UConn as well, yes. right? Where they were pulling out these last-second mm-hmm. last wins. And I think that they're, you're right, they're going to be better this year. But 9-3 and three is probably their ceiling. Uh, 
ten and two would be a dream season. But I think if he can get to nine and three, he probably keeps his job. Uh, Bo Pelini would need to do the same thing, maybe even ten wins, and that's going to be tough because eight and four isn't going to cut it anymore. Yeah, I think Pelini needs to win his division. I think that they need to win the West, and could they do it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they have talent, but one thing that's hurt Nebraska the last couple years is. They're good in certain games, but then they look really bad in a couple games. Yeah, and at I feel like the uh, the type of program that Nebraska is, they they expect to be competing for national championships, much like USC. And we talked about Penn State, and we brought up Miami earlier. I mean, that's another one. Al Golden, I'm not too fond of him right now, but you know these coaches for these big time programs have to be the type that expect to win national championships and is Bo Pelini really winning a national championship in Nebraska I would be shocked so I don't I think he's fired and I think Brady Hoke will keep his job well it's, yeah it's tough to see Pelini winning a national championship when we can't see him winning his own conference maybe not even his own division so uh, we'll see but with that we're going to wrap it up uh, next week we're going to start talking a little bit about uh, kind of our top 10 teams as well as the top 10 games of the season we're going to go through um, the over 1,500 games that are being played this year, and we're going to find the top 10 games, kind of what they mean for the national picture and how they're going to help uh, create this uh, college football playoff, which we're also going to be talking about a little bit more in depth after we have a little time to read Stu Mandel's book and uh, and do a little bit more research on the college football uh, playoff. So uh, join us next week when we, uh, when we talk more college football. Talk to you guys later.